Welcome back, everyone, to 101 Questions That Church Planters Ask. I'm your host, Danny Parmley, and today we're answering the question, should I consider bivocational ministry? And uh, we're really actually going to be answering and asking questions kind of all surrounding that whole area. And uh, to help me answer this question, we have Brad Briscoe with us today. So, Brad, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Hey, Danny, it's great to be with you and uh, love having a conversation around this topic. Awesome. Well, Brad is the director of bivocational church planting for the North American Mission Board. He also has a doctorate in ministry. And so today, as he's sharing, these aren't just his kind of half-baked thoughts. Um, So uh, he's kind of really an expert in the area. So Brad, why don't you tell us just a little bit of your background and then how you even kind of ended in this stream of uh, kind of uh, expertise? Yeah, so uh, just real brief, before I became a Christian, I was actually in the restaurant business with my brother for 13 years. And in the midst of that, became a Christian. Uh, we planted a church. And then now I've actually worked for the North American Mission Board for over 20 years. So uh, about 17 of those years, I was a church planting catalyst, which just means I helped to recruit and train and resource and coach church planters in Kansas City. And then the last three years, uh, moved into this new role. It's more of a national role. Like you said, Danny, we just called director of bivocational church planning. And it's, it's interesting. A lot of times when people ask me what I do, and I mention that kind of title or role, uh, inevitably someone will say, well, what is that? And for me, in a nutshell, I would say, for me, the kind of the two big rocks uh, for this role uh, is really about rethinking vocation. So what I mean by that is I'm convinced that we need to help everybody in our congregations uh, understand that regardless of what God's called them to do in the marketplace, they're in ministry and all work matters. And then the second is we need to rethink church planting. And what I mean by that is I'm just convinced in an increasing increasing missionary context that most of us live, we need to start with missionary behaviors and activities rather than starting with the Sunday morning worship service when we plan a church. And I just think the best way to do that is by as, as a bivocational, or we use the language sometimes of co-vocational church planter. Yeah, no, that's that's really great. And I think that this is such a needed conversation. And just to give you some uh, background of kind of where I'm coming from is especially kind of pre-COVID, I would have steered uh, planters more in the direction away from bivocational. So I'm kind of maybe one of those guys that's a little bit skeptical and kind of you know, um, are they are they really giving it their all if they're bivocational? And so that's kind of a little bit of a background. So you'll be able to kind of press into that. And there might be some things uh, that you and I may disagree on, but I hope that this is a good conversation. So let me just kind of start it off with this comment that I've heard that you're not really a real pastor if you have a second job. So I'm just kind of setting you up and you can just kind of lay into that a little bit. Yeah, well, I think that kind of thinking or statement uh, comes from what I would call a very biased narrative towards bivocational church planters or bivocational church planning. Uh, in other words, yeah, and you know, lots of planters that are bivocational, they kind of hear those comments. They hear these little voices that say they're not legit, or you know, they're only part time, or they can't, like you said, give it their all. Um, but I just don't think that's very helpful. And actually, I would say I don't think it's biblical. Now, ne- let me first say I'm, I'm very much a both-and kind of person. It, it, there, there's not one answer to this question. It really is a, uh, it, it, I mean, it is a both-and. It's not an either-or. Right. But I would say that, it, again, in an increasing missionary context, we have to place more emphasis 
on bivocational and co-vocational church planting. In fact, I would argue it is absolutely the best missiological and financial strategy for church planting. Now, it's not the only, but I think it actually needs to become kind of the preferred mechanism for church planting missiologically, because uh, it, it just gives planters access to a mission field they wouldn't have otherwise. And there's lots of other missiological benefits, I think, but that's the biggest one, is that more and more people are less and less interested in the programs and activities of the church. So we have to find other ways to make connections with people and reach people. And I think one of the best ways to do that is in the marketplace. But then financially, there's just all kinds of benefits that if we're going to plan a church with with a more kind of like a, a longer runway perspective, um, we don't have enough money to plan all the churches that we need to plant. So the way we're going to do that financially that I think makes the most sense is with bivocational planters. So, yeah, I think there that's there's a narrative out there that says that, that you're not really legit. But um, I just don't think it's I don't I don't think it's biblical. And and again, I think missiologically and financially, we can do better in many regards, with bivocational church planters. All right, so when you say um, missiologically, um, can you give even some examples of how the work that someone does actually complements the ministry, It it um, that it's not just about, well, I just need, I don't have a congregation to pay for my salary, so I'm going to get this job on the side. It's really just about money, but what I'm really trying to do is to kind of plant this church. So speak to like kind of that, that compliment and maybe which ones are really good for that, even very specifically and practically as you've worked with church planners, like, hey, seen a number of guys do this, it worked really well, seen another number of guys do uh, that, and it, it it actually is counterproductive. Yeah, so let me, let me come back to that, to the examples, because there's lots of beautiful I- examples. Just to set that up just a little bit, I'd say, let me dig into the missiological piece just a minute. So like I said, I think the, the, the greatest missiological benefit is access to a mission field. But I would also, I would add just a couple other little nuances. Again, I think we have to think more like missionaries. We, we have to think more, like, we need to help church planters think less like a pastor starting a Sunday morning worship service and more like a missionary engaging a context. And to do that, I think we need to think differently about work. So in, in other words, I think more like theologically, our starting point needs, we need to recapture a robust theology of work, that all work matters. Because I think there's too many uh, pastors and too many church planters that they kind of compartmentalize. And, and it's like, well, I do my work over here so I can do ministry over here. I want to blow that up. I mean, I want to help them see that regardless of what they're doing in the marketplace, all work matters. Uh, so we need to recapture a theology of work. So not only does work matter to begin with, but then also we need to help them see how does that work fit into the mission of God? How does it contribute to the mission of God? And how does it participate in God's redemptive purposes? And then the next step would say, okay, now how can we begin to align what God's called you to do in the marketplace? Or even if it's a part-time job, how can we help align that in, in re- instead of bifurcating it or compartmentalizing it with mission and ministry? How can we align those two things together? So yeah, now are there some jobs that lend themselves better towards bivocational church planting? Absolutely. I mean, I, so usually I'll get a guy to kind of think about time uh, money and then relational connections. Now, okay. ideally you have a job that's like a 10 on all three of those areas, yeah. but that's a little idealistic. That's probably not going to happen. But I'll say to a guy, look, you probably, if you're going to plan a church, you probably don't want to work a job that you're in a cubicle all by yourself from eight to five, Monday through Friday. Yeah. But 
if you can work in a cubicle all by yourself, eight to five, two days a week or three days a week and make enough money that it frees you up the rest of the week, then that might, that might actually be a good job. Or if you work a job where maybe you don't make a lot of money, but you, you get to meet 200 new people every single day, then that might actually be a good you know, job that aligns yeah. with this. So um, examples, I tell you, you could name just about any occupation, vocation, calling that someone would have in the marketplace. And I think I could probably give you an example of someone that's planting a church while they're doing that. I mean, all over North America in the last couple of years, I've just had the privilege to interview dozens and dozens and dozens of church planters. Most of these are what I would call co-vocational church planters. You know, the little nuance there, the way I kind of differentiate between BIVO and COVO is BIVO is someone that has a part-time job in the marketplace that they see as temporary. And yeah. kind of their hope is that the, the church grows enough to where they can leave their part-time job and focus full-time on the church. A co-vocational church planter is someone that has a primary calling in the marketplace that they never intend to leave. In other words, they they know God's called and wired them to be a mechanic or a doctor or a web designer or an architect. And at the same time, they want to start a church. Well, I've just had the opportunity to, to interview firemen, police officers, highway patrol, a CIA federal agent, uh, all kinds of school teachers, an architect, a guy that's an anesthesiologist. Um, I mean, really just again, kind of runs the gamut, uh, all kinds of business owners, a guy that owns a, a, um, escape room at lots of different, uh, individual that own coffee shops or co-working spaces. So, uh, it's really exciting to me, just the level of creativity and kind of innovation that's taking place out there with people that are, that are starting things while they have a full-time kind of gig, uh, or, or calling in the marketplace. That's great. Okay, so you said a couple really awesome things, and I just want to re-say them for listeners to be able. You mentioned three things, which time, which I might also say flexibility, you know, is, is kind yes. of put in there. So in other words, like, okay, you might have this job, and yes, your your uh your Amazon customer service, but it's literally you can or or Uber for that matter, you can turn it on and off whenever you want. So you have that flexibility if you need to minister to someone or you need to go to a conference or you need to do whatever, you have that uh, flexibility. Uh, the second one you said was relationship. So the difference between someone sitting in a cubicle and maybe being a teacher or even working at Starbucks or some sort of service industry where you're constantly interacting with the people with the mission field uh, and then uh, the the money part of it. So obviously it needs to be able to kind of uh, make some sense there. Uh, I uh, love what you said about the difference between bivocational and co-vocational. And it really has to do with the um the long-term strategy so you're saying using the term co-vocational where even the intent is it's not a stepping stone i am literally going to use my work and integrate it into the ministry into the church plant long term and that that's uh you know very different than hey i'm just going to get this job for a little while uh it might even meet some of those other criteria but what I really want to do is eventually kind of um, peel away from that. So my, my follow-up question is, do you think that there's enough cultural shift and traction that we begin to change our leadership pipeline that we start with high schoolers and college students saying, pick your job. You want to be an architect or an engineer, church planter, you know, which 
maybe this is already happening in other countries and they're just killing it and we're slow to kind of catch up uh, to it. But speak to that a little bit. If you think that, you know, that it's it's not just career change, but that there's a, a different way for the entire church planning movement to, to, to switch on that. Yeah, I agree with what you just said 100%. I mean, I actually think this conversation needs to start as early as in youth ministries, but without a doubt, we need to be having this conversation in every collegiate ministry across the country. Because unfortunately, it's too often that young people have someone in the church say to them when they think that they want to be an engineer and they say, no, look, if you're serious about ministry, you need to go to seminary. I just think that is harmful for the mission. And frankly, again, I think it's unbiblical. I think it's it's a weak perspective on a theology of work that somehow, you know, a, a pay, you know, a church job is more important. Being a pastor is more important than being a doctor. It's just I think that's very misguided. And and, and that's part of my personal story. I mean, I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was in the restaurant business with my brother. And when I became a believer, every single conversation I had with the church leader was that we needed to if I was serious about mission and ministry, we needed to sell our secular business and I needed to go to seminary. Well, that's exactly what I did because I had no other narrative. I had no other imagination for what church planting might look like. I have conversations almost weekly with young people that are hearing that same uh, you know, kind of story from, from church people is that they need to decide. And whenever you give them almost like the permission it's like, no, wait, maybe you can do both. It is so freeing. It's like, I didn't even know that was an option. So, and can you imagine the, the, like the, the army of missionaries we have sitting in our pews that, that just don't even know that that is an option. They, they don't know that they could be a, a high school science teacher and at the same time actually start something in their neighborhood. So I think the, the potential there, again, missiologically, but also financially, we could be planting hundreds, if not thousands of churches um, without needing to fund all of these <laughs> churches right. because people, they are already supported. And again, that's part of the financial benefit is if, if you're co-vocational, the primary support is coming from the marketplace. I think it, there's less financial strain on the church planter's family. Uh, I think it's better for the church plant because there's more resources available for mission and ministry for the church. And then third, I would say for the church planting entity, like if there's a denominations that's doing a church planting, again, we don't have enough money to plant all the churches that we need to plant. And frankly, there's some places that are just too expensive. I mean, you can't send someone into downtown San Francisco without them, you know, having at least $200,000 a year to plant a church. Right. That just doesn't even make financial sense. Right. And then there's other neighborhoods or communities that are impoverished to where that church planter would never be financially sustainable. And what I mean by sustainable there is a full-time salary. So the only way we're going to get into all the nooks and crannies of all of us cities throughout North America is to do it with bivocational and co-vocational planters. That's great. Uh, that's excellent. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, who uh, should consider bivo and who shouldn't or covo, e- either way uh, type of thing. And I know that you're an advocate, so you're like, everyone should at least consider it. But are there some um, ones where you'd say, hey, you know what, here's some different things. If this is what's going on in your heart, or this is what is maybe your personality or your makeup, or here's what your context is. You you talked a little bit about that of you know rural and downtown. and But if there's some other things where... For listeners that are in that kind of discovery stage right now, yeah. So I think there's a, a couple things. Um, 
one we've already talked, I mean, we talked a little bit about, um, it's just work wise. It's like, what, what is your calling in the marketplace? I mean, if, if you're working 60 or 70 hours a week, it's, it's probably going to be difficult. Now, again, I think we have to think differently about church planting. You can't plant it. You can't work 40 or 50 hours a week in the marketplace and plant a church like we've always planted a church. You have to have a longer runway perspective, you know, all of that. But I think that's the first thing is identify, you know, what is it that you do in the marketplace and is it conducive to church planting? The second, though, is I'd say, how are you wired? I mean, do you think like a missionary? I mean, if, if you just want to preach on, you know, like on Sunday morning, you want to gather a bunch of people together so you can, you know, communicate to them, that's probably not a very good motivation. You need to actually think like a missionary, that, that you recognize that God has sent you into your neighborhood. God has sent you into your workplace. God's given you this, this wiring and gifting for this calling in the marketplace, and, and you think like a missionary in the marketplace. But then the third thing I would say is just kind of how you're wired as it relates to your personality. Um, you know, are you self-motivated or can't, do you balance, you know, you, can you multitask? Right. Um, so I think for, you know, I think there's like certain traits or characteristics for any church planter, but I think for a Bivo Kobo church planter, they're probably elevated a little bit. You know, what, one of the things I say all the time is, do you manage your own life and do you do that well? So what I mean by that is like, does someone else manage your life for you? Like, do you have any flexibility in your calling in the marketplace? And, you know, do you operate off of a calendar? Do you operate off of a to-do list? I mean, do you just, do you manage your life well? Because if you don't, then it, you know, by a Bivo Covo church planting is probably not going to go well. And then right. the other thing that I would say is I think no church planter should, should, should plant a church alone. You should always plant with a team. But it is just, it, there's just no other option as a Bibo Kobo church planter. You have to plant with a team. And I know this is going to sound a little bit idealistic, but my perfect scenario or kind of perfect picture of what this looks like in the future is that you have two or three or four co-vocational couples and two or three or four co-vocational singles that are all going together someplace to plant a church. So in other words, think about it like this. Every single person in that team has a primary calling in the marketplace, but they each say, look, I can give six or eight or 10 hours a week to the church plant. So if you have three or four couples and three or four singles that can all give eight or 10 hours a week to the church plant, can you imagine the relational connection with just with that initial team as they all have different callings in the marketplace? And can you imagine the financial just kind of base that you could work from when they all have primary callings in the marketplace. So again, I know that's a little bit idealistic, but I think that's in some regards, that's what this will look like in the future. So, so I guess the reason I bring that up here is just to say kind of regardless of how you're wired, if you're doing it with a team and everybody's committing eight or 10 hours a week, um, it's, I just think that that's very doable. It's, I, I think it should be very life giving and it should just be kind of as a part of our natural rhythms of what, the way we live out our lives. That's great. Okay, one kind of uh, final thing here um, with cultural stuff, because again, I think that COVID has allowed uh, the church to kind of reinvent, or at least there are less and less cultural norms, or at least they're getting peeled back, um, you know, a bit that way. With bivocational or co-vocational uh, church planters, they're stepping into a culture where the expectation is they're always available. This is what they do. They're the main person. And it is kind of a top down. I'm not saying that's correct, but that's just kind of what the American church culture is. 
how do they, and especially for listeners that are going down that route of saying, how do they change that culture a bit in a positive way? So instead of being apologetic and having to say, you know, I'm really sorry, we're we're not a real church that way. No, you can't call me. No, you can't. Or I'm I'm sorry, I can't just do whatever. Do you understand kind of the question that I'm yeah, that sure. I'm, I'm kind of poking at a little bit? Like, how, what, what advice do you kind of have for them to kind of change that culture in really a, a missional sense? Yeah. So several things are involved there. I think uh, first off, I, I would say for for many church planters, uh, their cultural context might actually be different than that. I mean, if that's the other thing is that if you're Bivo Covo, you have a longer runway, uh, you can really focus on reaching lost people. And I think in most of our cultural contexts, most lost people don't think that way. I mean, they don't, you know, if they haven't had any kind of church background, they don't know how, you know, like the pastor is supposed to do everything and they can call right. it any time of the day. Now, when you begin to reach Christians and you begin to pull Christians into the church plant, that's when expectations have to be realigned. And I think the way you do, part of the way that you do that is we have to spend a significant amount of time uh, kind of promoting, teaching on, living out the priesthood of all believers. That, I mean, there, I think there's, there's this huge paradigm shift that has to take place in, in what I would call the, the, the missionary nature of the church, that we have to rethink the nature and essence of the church. And part of that is activating all the people of God to engage in mission. So... I think that's part of it. So that will help if, if there's very many Christians in your church. Yeah. You, you have to like realign those expectations because there will be some expectations. But but that realignment of the expectations is we need to help them see that we're talking about activating all the people of God, which includes them, that they have to step up. And frankly, I'll tell you, I've had lots of conversations with co-vocational church planters that I, I tell you, one of my favorite stories is a CIA federal agent that's in the DC area. He literally works 60 or 70 hours a week. And he told me more than once that he has never once had to ask for a volunteer. And the reason is everybody in the church knows what he does. They know how demanding his job is and they know how much time he spends doing it. So they all know, look, he can't do this. We have to. So he says he's, he's never in eight years has never had to ask somebody to like step up and fill a role because they know that it's just, it's not going to happen if they don't step up and do it. So I do think the priesthood of all believers, helping people recognize how they're wired and gifted and then help them see how they need to, uh, you know, step up into that kind of gifting or, or that, that area of ministry of the church, because the, the kind of the lead pastor can't uh, just, just can't do it. Yeah, well, that is great. Well, Brad, thank you so much uh, for sharing this. We will put in the blog some more of your resources as well so that people can uh, find out more from your writings and books. And I think you have, do you have podcast stuff as well, too, uh, that you're doing? No. no okay. just, uh, so, I mean, right now, the, the best place would be a couple of the free downloadable ebooks. Okay, so what we'll do is we will definitely link those. Uh, and thank you so much, everybody, for, for tuning in. And remember, if you have a question about church planting, you can head over to the blog churchplantersask.com and you can submit your questions there and until next time keep asking those questions <music>